three. You're listening to Sports Talk Chicago with your host, John Zaglul. John, I am fantastic. Thank you for having me. You got an awesome voice, man, and that was a terrific <laughs> intro. You're like a pro's pro. You know, that was the first time somebody ever said that, John. No, you're the first person to ever say anything like that. That's, that's very interesting. You got it, John. Anything for a fellow Chicago guy? <laughs> well, what a great question. That's a great question. Nobody's actually asked me that. <laughs> I like it. What a great question. I never heard that before. Chase, wait, wait, Chase Utley is what? You're saying he's not a Hall of Fame candidate? You know, it's it's funny. I, I, You may be the only person that I've heard make that connection. Thank you, John, for having me. I'm doing great. By the way, you have an outstanding voice. I'm not sure about your face because I haven't met you, but your voice is great. You're doing a much better job than I ever did. You've had some heavy hitters uh, guests on too, man, so keep up the good work, but it's good to be with you, and I'm ready to talk sports. Hello, everybody, and welcome into Sports on Chicago. My name's John Zaglou, great to have you here. Today's edition of the program, the Bears beat the Giants on Sunday. We'll talk about it in just a moment. Plus, a brand new interview today with Daniel Moscos, the Cubs assistant pitching coach recently hired. We'll talk with him about his new job, what to expect for the Cubs coming up this season, his MLB career, and so much more. It's a great interview, and it comes your way near the midway point of this show. Remember, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at John Z Sports and on Facebook at John Zaglul. If you want to watch more of this show, search up Sports Talk Chicago, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, and SportsTalkChicago.com. I want to start today with this. Sometimes in life, when you make a decision, bad one or good one, you kind of already know what the end result's going to be. I'm driving 100 miles per hour down the highway. Chances are I'm going to be given a ticket. I'm not going to get mad that I'm given one. Should have expected it. Breaking the law, reckless driving, stupid, stupidity, going to get a ticket. I knew that. I made a bad decision, and I'm going to pay the price. That's how it works. Sometimes you already know. You have an idea of how things will play out before they even do. How was the Bears game on Sunday? You know, somebody bet me (laughs) and said, I think the Giants will win. I said, are you crazy? The start Mike Lennon, supposed to be a rotation between Mike Lennon and Jake Fromm, and Fromm was on the sideline warming up, never came in. And the Bears had what turned out to be Andy Dalton. Did you really think the Giants would win? I mean, look, I could have seen it. The Bears were so heavily favored. I could have seen a possibility in which the Giants upset and everybody loses money, but I didn't see it in this game. I really did. We'll talk about why later, but, you know, this is a winning streak for Matt Taggy. Not to say that he's going to stay, but it's a nice way for him to go out. You want to complain about the Bears and what they're doing? Go to New York. This is nothing, really, compared to what the Giants are facing. They've retained Joe Judge. They've retained Daniel Jones. And most likely, their GM's out. But still, bad coach, bad quarterback. They're worse off than the Bears right now. At least the Bears may have a competent quarterback. It could always bring in somebody, new at GM or new at head coach, but at least they could say we have a decent quarterback we're confident in. The Giants don't even have that. 
supposed to be the Mike Lennon revenge game yesterday. Well, Lennon did nothing. <laughs> Lennon did absolutely nothing. 4 of 11, 24 yards, 2 picks, no touchdowns, a couple of fumbles too. His passer rating was 2.8. His passer rating. Not his QBR, his passer rating even. was 2.8. The worst all season. I've never seen a passer rating that low. They could give the Bears defense props, and certainly so. Robert Quinn broke Richard Dent's record. They only gave up three points. Look who they're facing. <laughs> Mike Clunnett. Sure, many of you want me to celebrate about this game, and sure, it was a great win. Good defensive stand, 29 points put up. I mean, probably the most complete game the Bears have played all year. I'm happy about that. But I want us to see the bigger picture here. And I'll explain. There have been recent reports that suggest Ryan Pace should stay, or will stay, and Matt Nagy will go. I've seen it in regular Bears media and in some bloggers and YouTubers. A lot of people are clamoring to keep Ryan Pace. Not his fault. Matt Nagy's the one who's bad with quarterbacks, not Ryan Pace. He's done nothing. I've seen beat reporters start to defend Ryan Pace. When that happens, there's obviously a reason. If you've got Bears beat reporters, covering and defending Ryan Pace, that should be cause for concern. If I'm a fan and I see that, I'd be worried. Because usually what that means is he might stay. I've seen so many puff pieces put out, the do's and don'ts, why we should or why we shouldn't keep him. Is there a reason, really a truly a reason to keep him? Is there a reason to keep Ryan Pace? You could point to some of the signings. You could point to the Khalil Mack trade, maybe some fifth-round picks. But what about the number one position in football? One that's going to win you games and lose them for you, too. We all watched the mediocrity of Mike Lennon, right? We saw what we saw. Numbers don't disprove it either. 4 of 11, 24 yards, 2 picks, no touchdowns. Yeah, that proves it. He's paid Glennon $45 billion. 18 of which guaranteed. Ryan Pace said, quote, he was fired up about signing Mike Glennon. Huh? Mike Glennon? Fired up? Did those two things belong in the same sentence? That should be a concern. We saw Mike Glennon play. Think about this. They thought Mike Glennon would be good. They paid him $18 million guaranteed, 45 total, to play for the Bears. That's what we saw yesterday. Mike Glennon doesn't even deserve to be in the NFL. There are better players on practice squads. There are better backup quarterbacks who've never gotten an opportunity than Mike Glennon. Pretty much everybody is better than that. And Ryan Pace... The Bears' beloved GM thought it was a good idea to sign him. And look, I'm all for forgiving people for mistakes. I really am. One mistake shouldn't define your whole career, but this is a pattern with Ryan Pace. The quarterback position is a pattern of wrong with Ryan Pace. Sorry, it is. Between Pan Mike Lennon, Pan Andy Dalton, Pan Nick Foles, taking on that contract from the Jaguars? That's a pattern. If it was one time and it's over, fine. And as much as I like Mitch Trubinsky, he is not better 
than Pat Mahomes or Deshaun Watson. So that's another mistake. That's three mistakes. Four at quarterback. I'm not saying he's not done good for this team. I'm not saying he hasn't made good picks. But what did we say? The quarterback position will win you or lose you football games. And if there's one thing Brian Pace hasn't gotten right, it's the quarterback. And two, the head coach. He hired John Fox, and he hired Matt Nagy. Both of them are about to be fired. Fox was fired, and Nagy's going to be fired here in a sec. Got to think about that. I'm almost happy the game played out the way it did yesterday. Really, I am. I mean, the Bears won, fine. I don't really care about that. But what I do care about is Mike Lennon looked horrible. Mike Lennon was exposed yesterday. And therefore, Ryan Pace was too. Ryan Pace signed Mike Lennon to play over Mitch Trubisky. Say what you want about Mitch Trubisky. Is he that bad? Is he to the point of going 4 of 11, 24 yards, two picks, no touchdowns? No. We can all agree on that. Ryan Pace thought it'd be a good idea for Mitch Trubisky to learn from Mike Lennon and pay Mike Lennon $18 million guaranteed. We got people here today, respected people, bloggers, YouTubers. Everybody's saying, hey, maybe they should keep Ryan Pace. Let's rethink his candidacy. There's nothing to rethink. Okay, he has to go too. There is nothing to rethink. The top position in the game He's screwed up multiple times. He's got new chances. Can't even get it right. When your quarterback list of signings includes Mike Lennon, Nick Bowles, Andy Dalton, you're through. You're fired. And you drafted Mitch Trubisky over Pat Mahomes and Deshaun Watson. You might have gotten Justin Fields right to meet too little, too late. Got the coach wrong, too. Wrong coach to coach Justin Fields. I'm all for forgiving mistakes. But this is a pattern. It's not a one-time error. If it was a one-time thing, I'd say, well, whatever. Had a lot of good offset the bat. The fact is, every single year for the past five years, the Bears have had a quarterback problem. Who's that on? Yes, Matt Nagy for not coaching anybody, but the GM for bringing in some of these people. Why are the Bears bringing in Mike Lennon, Nick Foles, Andy Dalton? That's not a Matt Nagy issue. The Bears can't get the quarterback right. And yes, that's Ryan Pace. Again, great scout. Great scout. He found Darnell Mooney. David Montgomery. Orchestrated. Khalil Mack. Great defense under Ryan Pace. Signings in depth, for sure. But no quarterback. You win games and you lose games with your quarterback. That's it. That's the end-all be on the NFL. Why do you think they're paying $40 million? Why do you think people gripe when you talk about paying a running back or a wide receiver? Because at the end of the day, for the most part, 99% of the time, they're all replaceable. The quarterback isn't. Look at Denver this year. Denver just is about to fire Vic Bangio, great defensive coordinator, because they have no quarterback. Great team, great roster, good run game, good defense, good receivers, no quarterback. You're not going to win with Teddy Bridgewater or Drew Locke. So Big Fangio's the one who has to go. Not even his fault. But the point is, it's the quarterback. The quarterback is holding the Broncos back, and as a result, Big Fangio's going to be fired. Different from Matt Nagy. 
He had Mitch Trubisky, hurt him. He had Justin Fields this year, hurt him. The Bears gave Nagy a chance. They said, hey, you know what? And develop Justin Fields. He's a great prospect. Didn't work. So, yes, Nagy's out the door. That's on him. He's not a quarterback guru. But Ryan Pace brought all these people in. I'll say this about Nagy. Pretty hard to work with Nick Foles. Andy Dalton. Mike Glennon. Pretty hard. Nagy didn't work with Glennon, but John Fox did. Pretty hard if you're a coach and you got Mike Glennon as your starting quarterback. Or if you claim we're fired up about Mike Glennon and he's making $18 million guaranteed and you're playing him over your top draft pick in Mitch Trubisky and you expect Trubisky to learn from Mike Glennon. I'm sure he has knowledge of the game, don't get me wrong, but I don't see how much you could learn from watching him play. I learned one thing yesterday about Mike Lennon. He shouldn't be in the NFL. That's what I learned. When I watched him play, that's what I learned. Shouldn't be in the NFL. Cannot hold on to the ball. The minute you touch him, ball's loose. Bad decisions, no completions, nothing. This guy has to go. I feel bad for the Giants for even trotting him out there. I mean, that's a joke. But the point is, the Bears signed him. The Bears thought, Ryan Pace thought, this great scout thought. Mike Lennon would be a good quarterback. When you screw up the quarterback position, like Ryan Pace has, you deserve to go. And that's the main takeaway from the game yesterday. We saw how bad Mike Lennon looked. It made Ryan Pace look even worse. The way that game went, it actually hurt Ryan Pace more than helped him. It did. Made him look like an idiot for even giving this guy money. That's the thing you got to remember. Happy for Robert Quinn. Uh, break the all-time sack record, single season. A lot of people were discouraged. Understandably so. Richard Dent, legend. Bears, legend. But I'm happy to see Quinn play hard. Happy to see him play hard despite what's been a forgettable season. You know, this is a testament to him. He's worked his butt off all year despite the record. Hasn't given up on his team. Hasn't given up on himself. Great stuff. I have no issue with it. I understand to some. I saw a couple of comments saying, well, I don't want him to break it. Richard Dent's an all-time bear. I understand it. I get it. And at this point, we might be gone at the end of the year to save cap space. So it's not ideal. <laughs> not an all-time bear. But I'll give the guy props for breaking the record, doing it. And the right amount of games, he'd be different and I'd have a problem with him doing it in the extra game. That'd be an issue, 100%. I wouldn't really count it at all. I wouldn't count it if he did it in 17 games. But he did it in the proper amount of games. So Nothing bad to say there. Happy to see him do it. The Bears offense played well. It clicked. Andy Dalton did okay, but David Montgomery had a decent game. Ran through a lot of troubles. And the Bears just dominated. And they had the ball the whole time, scored 29 points, now the Giants to three. Forced a ton of takeaways. It was the best-played game for the Bears all year, but remember who they're facing. They're facing the Giants. And next week, they're going to face the Vikings in a meaningless game. Vikings got eliminated yesterday from playoff contention. So it's really a depressing way to end the season for the Bears, really. And even if they do beat the Vikings and they end winning three straight, my hope is that nothing changes when it comes to their plan. 
Matt Nagy, Ryan Pace, they need to go. End of the year, next year, need to have a press conference. They're gone. So in a week. In a week, there should be a press conference on Monday saying they're both fired. I really do have a sick feeling Ryan Pace is staying. I just have that feeling inside of me. If we're talking about, if we're seeing articles written about Ryan Pace, if we see people, respected people, making a case for Ryan Pace to stay, you know something's up. You do. No one, I don't see anyone, making a case for Matt Nagy to stay. I don't see articles saying, hey, keep Matt Nagy or the do's and don'ts, why you should or why you shouldn't. I don't see any of that. For Ryan Pace, I do. I see people 50-50. There is no 50-50. There's no on the bench or maybe or we'll see. Has to go. Screwed up the most important position in football multiple times. Hey, the guy we saw yesterday with four completions and four turnovers, $18 million. He paid Mike Clinton $18 million guaranteed dollars. And he was, quote, fired up about the move. Fired up about Mike Lennon? Who even says that? Fired up about Mike Glennon. Like, is that even possible? How could you be fired up about somebody like that? He was. And he paid him money, handsomely. And he brought in Nick Bowles. And Andy Dalton. Undrafted Mitch Trubisky. No, I'm sorry, you're gone. Look, if he wants to be demoted and actually being like the Bears head scout, I'm all for it. Because I trust Ryan Pace when it comes to every other position besides the quarterback. But the fact is, you can't get the quarterback right. You've tried and you've failed multiple times. That's it. You know, it's really hard to be a GM if you can't get the number one position correct. And it's going to be hard for him, I think, to find a job as another GM again. I really do. I don't think it's going to happen. Everybody in the league has seen what he's done to the Bears quarterback position. I don't see him being employed as another GM. Had scout? Sure. Assistant or advisor? Sure. Not a GM. He does not have the capacity to make a quarterback decision. Matt Nagy doesn't have the capacity to work with any quarterback. So both of them, gone. Unless you're looking for an anti-quarterback team, like if you want your running back to be the star, like in Carolina, well then maybe you hire both of them. They'll make sure to damage your quarterback position and set it back for life. But if you're looking to have a good quarterback, you're looking to play in the 21st century of the NFL, you don't hire these two. You don't. They don't know what they're doing when it comes to quarterbacks. Everything else, fine. Not quarterbacks. <sighs> Didn't we see what Mike Glennon did yesterday? And it was a joke. It was a joke. Everybody, I laughed. Everybody laughed. At the kind of performance he put up. I will be laughing, though. Sure, it was funny. It looked horrible. But we're laughing because the Bears actually invested time and money in that quarterback. They thought he'd be good. They thought he'd learn and he'd teach Mitch Trubisky. And he'd work in the system. And that kind of scares me to think about. When we go back to 2017, and the narrative was, hey, he'll teach Mitch Trubisky. He's a good starter for us, and then we'll bridge him and then get to Trubisky. That scares me. It really, it, it terrifies me. That was the narrative. That's what everybody bought. It'll be a good bridge. This guy couldn't last one snap in the NFL. 
when he has it. So the fact that the Bears and Ryan Pace thought he'd be a good bridge, that tells me all I need to know about whether he should stay or go. What his future is going to be in the NFL? Seriously. I don't want to be vindictive. I don't want to have a vendetta. He could do what he wants to do. If he finds another job, great. But really, nobody could forget that decision. You brought in Mike Lennon. You paid him $18 billion. You drafted Mitch Trubisky over to Sean Watson and Patrick Mahomes. You took on the bulk of Nick Foles' contract from Jacksonville, and you signed Andy Dalton. Drafting Justin Fields, who we don't even know if he's going to be great, does not make up for that pattern. It doesn't. You rarely get a second chance in the NFL. Ryan Pace has been here since 2013. I mean, 2013, he's still been here. He was here when Jay Cutler was here. Look at this quote from Adam Johns. Lennon faced Dalton, who took over for Foles, who was acquired to replace Drabinsky, whose development in 2017 resulted in the benching of Glennon, who was signed to replace Cutler, who was in Chicago to watch Glennon versus Dalton on the circle of life. Did, did you follow that? Glennon faced Dalton, who took over for Foles, who was acquired to replace Trubisky, whose development in 2017 resulted in the benching of Glennon, who was signed to replace Cutler, who was in Chicago to watch the game. Jake Cutler was there yesterday. That was all Ryan Pace is doing. That whole paragraph I read you. No, doesn't deserve to stay. As for the Bears, they have one more meaningless game left. My hope is we see a lot of firings after the game. If we don't see that, if Ryan Pace stays here, just expect more mediocre quarterback play. Or worse off, expect problems around the team. The offensive line hasn't been great. The secondary's been horrible. I mean, these are other moves, small ones that have added up over the years. The quarterback is number one, and it's glaring. Because of that, really, only because of what we saw from Mike Lennon yesterday, it's apparent that Ryan Pace needs to go, too. More to come here on Sports Talk Chicago. My interview with Daniel Mosco comes up next, so stay tuned. And we are back and ready for today's special guest. He's the Cubs assistant pitching coach and a former MLB reliever. Please welcome Daniel Mosco to the program. Daniel, great to have you on. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. So, Daniel, how'd the Cubs job come up first off? Um, so, um, you know, came up kind of the organic way where someone reaches out, sees, uh, you know, checks if you're interested and you know, then the dominoes start falling and you go from there. Um, but I will say before I took the, the job with the Yankees, who is uh, the team I left to join the Cubs, I had interviewed with the Cubs previously. So, you know, it wasn't like I was completely foreign. Um, you know, I had already established a little bit of a rapport with, um, you know, people within the organization. And so, um, you know, there are some dots that were connected. What attracted you to this position with this team? Uh, well, obviously, being in the big leagues is a tr- tremendous honor. Um, and so, you know, obviously getting back there is something that I hold dear to my heart. Um, but even more so than that, it's the people that are in place, the vision that they have. Um, you know, I think that they're doing a lot of good things on the developmental front. Um, and, you know, I, I think that they have a lot of really, really smart people and a lot of people that are on the same page. And I don't think that can be discounted um, is that 
it just takes one, you know, weak link in the chain to throw things off and completely throw things for, turn things for a loop. And it seems like everybody has the same vision and all, all of the, you know, people who, who make decisions are aligned. So it's awesome. What is that vision based on your understanding so far? Uh, to me, it's develop, 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 um, you know, find ways to efficiently spend money rather than just throw dollars at the top tier free agents, you know, dig deeper, make sure you're making smart transactions. Um, but really like, you know, opening up the developmental budget. Um, you know, I think that's where you can really, really wisely spend money, especially with what a wins valued at the big league level. You know, I just think it, it makes so much sense to, to make sure you're making the right acquisitions. Daniel Mosco is here on Sports Talk Chicago. Uh, Daniel, tell me about driveline baseball. So how does that fit into your career, your coaching career, and then what you're going to do with the Cubs? Oh, I really wouldn't be here without them. Um, and, you know, I don't say that lightly. I, it's not just a fluff piece. Um, you know, I really wouldn't be here without them. I, I went to driveline in 2018 as a player. And I was looking for, you know, anything that I could possibly learn about myself to get myself back into either like a pro ball job or a, a you know, an overseas job, whether that be Japan or Korea, something like that. Uh, because, you know, at that point I was pitching well, I was, you know, doing the things I needed to do, but, you know, my only job offers were in Mexico. Um, and while, you know, you can make good money down there, it's not really, I have a family, I had wife, daughter, and it's not really what I was looking for for myself. You know, it was get back to pro ball, make a big splash in Asia, or, you know, maybe it's time to move on. And so I went there, trained, and everything went great. Through in pro day, nothing happened. You know, I got some some feelers, some, you know, hey, we, we've got you on a list, but, you know, we're not ready to make an offer just yet. And so, you know, I, I still had the job in Mexico, but what the interesting thing that happened is Driveline approached me about possibly working there. They said, you know, we, we see how you are with the younger guys. Like, you're, you've taken on the role of a mentor without even, you know, having to, and you seem to really love the things that we practice here, you know, putting tech, you know, integrating technology with development. And I was like, yeah, I mean, I love it. Like, it's, it's awesome. It's things I never had access to as a player. And so I talked it over with my wife. I was like, look, I don't really want to go back to Mexico. This is a seamless transition out of playing and into the career after. Why not give it a shot? See how it goes. Um, so I took a leap of faith and, you know, the rest is kind of history. I worked there for nine months and started being approached by major league teams to to get back into pro ball on the coaching side and you know that here i am so it, it's been a really cool story what is driveline for those who don't know why has it become so popular in baseball circles now well they really just changed the way and the view and outlook on player development um you know they're unfortunately and i say this with sincerity is that baseball was kind of stuck in the stone age um, you know, there wasn't a lot of advancements going on, um, you know, that we didn't really believe you could teach velocity. We didn't believe that you can do a lot of things and driveline, you know, prove that wrong. Um, you know, there's more than one way to, to throw a ball is kind of what they taught. And, you know, through drill work and, you know, biomechanical analysis and programming analysis and all of these things, you can increase what that like what your ceiling is as a baseball player. Um, and I think that driveline put that on display for everybody to see. And it's no surprise that you're seeing Major League Baseball adopt a lot of those philosophies. What kind of results have you seen from it based on your career and other guys you've coached? Um, you know, it's a, unfortunately in 2020, we lost the minor league season. So I, I only was able to work remotely. Um, and so you don't get to see season stats associated with that year. But 
I was in charge of, you know, 15 to 20 players and every single one of them made gains, made positive gains, some of them bigger than others, but literally every single one of them. And that was through working remotely. I wasn't even able to be in person with them. You know, it was Zoom calls and phone calls and exchanging of videos and things like that. Um, and we were still able to make just tremendous gains, uh, like exciting gains. And then fast forward to actually having a 2021 minor league season. And you look at the, the staff that I had in, in Somerset and, you know, we, we were able to do some really special things, you know, leading the league in ERA, batting average, strikeouts, velocity. I mean, you name it, all of the important variables. And we led in just about every single one of them. And that's, I'm not doing that to brag about myself. I'm doing that to brag about what you can do on the development front, because some of those kids that, you know, some guys made their major league debuts this year. Um, and some of them were on release list and cut list coming into spring training. And some of those guys have been added to the 40 man roster this, this past off season. Um, so it really is like potentially a career changing uh, thing for players. And, and all it takes is a little bit of buy-in, a little bit of trust and hard work. Um, and those guys crushed it. They, they worked their tails off. Some of them were taking classes. Some of them were working jobs and every single one of them found time to get their work in their throwing, their lifting, all of the things that are important, and, and they really just crushed it. It's something similar expected for the Cubs this year once you start to work with them. Uh, I mean, the expectations to me are just always going to be high because I know what you can do on the developmental front. Um, and, you know, the, the most exciting piece for me with the Cubs is you have so many young guys that are getting their feet wet at the big league level and starting to establish themselves as potential long-term pieces at the big league level and to me, like that is the the clay that is the most important to mold because that, tr you know, it either trickles down or trickles up for the minor leagues. And you want this continuity throughout the organization. You don't want to just develop at the minor league level. You want to continue that development at the big league level too. Because the way that I, you know, somebody said this to me once, and I think, it, I actually think it was Trevor Bauer that said this, and it really stuck with me. You're not competing against the players you're playing against right now. You're competing against the players of the future. So just because you get to the big leagues doesn't mean you're going to stay there because there's going to be a next crop. You know, there's going to be a draft class. There's going to be an international signing class. You're competing against those guys. You know, the average velocity has trended up every single year in the past, however many years since we really started to value it. It's not going to stop. It's going to keep going. You know, it'll probably plateau somewhere, but it hasn't plateaued yet. And I don't see it happening really anytime soon. So as long as we continue to push that needle forward and, and move the needle forward, you're competing against not just current players, but future players. What about guys like Kyle Hendricks, for example, guys who are more finesse pitchers. How do you expect to work with them when it comes to driveline? Um, so I think that that's, that's kind of the common misconception is just because you're a finesse guy doesn't mean that you can't be better at being a finesse guy. And now Kyle Hendricks has elite command. Nobody's going to discredit that. Like, I mean, it's, it's unbelievable. That to me is actually something that's harder to teach than anything else. And so if we can, you know, maybe add a tick or two in velo to his fastball, um, you know, or work on the secondary pitch package to develop something that he needs, you know, maybe to get left-handed hitters out or right-handed hitters out, whatever it is, you'll, we'll do a, you know, a research, a deep dive into what's the lowest hanging fruit for him and attack it. Um, but again, like just because he's a finesse guy doesn't mean you stop getting better or stop working. Um, and Kyle's a tremendous worker. So, you know, the fact that, you know, he's willing to take on initiatives like that, having already been a well-established big leaguer is a tribute to him. Um, and that's part of like, I think what's exciting is we have a bunch of players in the organization now that have this growth mindset that really want to know what's going to make me better. What can I do? How do I accomplish it? 
and then we go from there. How excited are you to work with Marcus Stroman, too? I'm very, very excited. Uh, unfortunately, the signing happened right at like the last second, <laughs> you know, the last <laughs> minutes before the lockout. And so, you know, we didn't get much on the communication front as far as establishing an offseason plan or things like that. Um, but, you know, the name and the guy speaks for himself. He's an incredible athlete, incredible competitor. I mean, I don't know if anybody is more of a competitor when he's on the mound than he is. Um, and, you know, that to me is exciting. I was always a, a consummate competitor, you know, probably pitched above what my skill set was. Um, just because, you know, I was on in attack mode at all times. And that's how Strowman carries himself when he's on the mound. Like he wants to make your at bat as uncomfortable as possible. Uh, and, you know, he's just, he's, I think he can be great, especially as the veteran presence for the younger guys, um, you know, kind of show them the ropes, lead by example. Um, you know, I, I think it's a great addition and one that I'm really excited about. What do you make of the Cubs pitching staff as a whole? When you look at this rotation and the relief options, what do you make of it? A lot of exciting pieces with a little bit of development can be a potentially special group. Um, you know, I, we've got some some younger starters starting to establish themselves in Alzale and Steele, um, you know, adding, um, doing a, some drawn a blank, Stroman and um, doing Miley. Um, you know, that really, I think, provides a big boost. And then, you know, we've got a bunch of electric arms in the bullpen. Um, you know, some of those guys need to refine skill sets a little bit. Um, and, you know, maybe iron out some like platoon splits, things like that. But, you know, that's, that's stuff that just gives us direction. You know, it's not like it, to me, it's not an impossible task. It's not a difficult task. It just takes the direction, takes the plan and you execute on that plan. Uh, and you know, some of those guys have the potential to be really, really, really big time back end pieces for us. We've got good bridge guys. I mean, it's, it's an exciting group of arms. What do you think about Azalea? You know, there's been talk here that he could become a reliever. Do you see him as a starter, a reliever? And what do you think his plan should be for improvement moving forward? So I, I will look at it this way. Like, it's awesome that he will always have kind of that bat, uh, bullpen insurance policy that we can, you know, cash in on if we need to. But to me, he's a starter all day. Um, you know, I like the I like the body. He's strong. I like the delivery. And more importantly, I like the mentality and I like the work ethic. The dude wants to go to work. He is so receptive to coaching. Um, you know, he's kind of just the guy you dream of. Like you want all of your players to be like him because he's so engaged on the plan uh, and just literally always working to get better. Um, and it's hard not to love guys like that. Are you expecting a better performance out of him come this year? Uh, absolutely. I think we've got a good plan for him. Um, you know, for the offseason, he's going to put in the work. And, you know, I, I think he's going to get a chance to, uh, you know, take the ball hopefully for, for 25 to 30 starts this year. Let me ask you this. Who on this team do you think would most benefit from your expertise? Uh, ooh, that's loaded question. Um, you know, like tough to really like pinpoint on a specific guy um, because, you know, you don't – when you start to evaluate – you know, plans for guys, you, you just look at what's their lowest hanging fruit. And so everybody has their own individualized plan. And I think they're all going to benefit from it because it's check this box, move on to the next box, move on to the next box. And all of them have boxes to be checked and we've set plans for them. Uh, and so I'm excited. Hopefully this, we can get uh, major league baseball and the owners uh, talking to the players union and uh, ironing some things out because like, I just want to get to work with them. That's the exciting piece for me. You know, I can't, say that one's going to benefit more than the other, or, you know, I like the outlook for one person more than the other. I just want to get to work with them. Um, you know, we got a bunch of exciting arms and I, I can't wait to actually get to uh, help try to develop them. What's your goal for this season? 
uh, win as many games as possible. Um, you know, I know that everybody's talking about how the Cubs are in a reload slash rebuild. Um, and I'm sure it looks that way on the surface as, you know, we traded away some valuable pieces and some well-known names um, at the, at the deadline last year. And, you know, it's, it's tough to replace a Javi Baez and an Anthony Rizzo and a Craig Kimbrell and all of these names, um, you know, the, they will be missed for sure. But just because the big name is gone, doesn't mean the production's going to suffer in my opinion. Um, you know, I think we have some guys who can take really big leaps this year um, and, and build some confidence towards the future. Uh, and so, you know, I don't, I don't have a season outlook just yet. Um, but, you know, hopefully my goal is that we turn some heads and, you know, we're a, you know, unexpected com- contender in the, the central and, you know, we can go from there and, and just build on it. Do you think that's possible with the talent you have, despite trading away all those guys? I do. I do. I think it's, I, I definitely think it's possible. Um, you know, is anybody going to expect it? Are the pundits going to be talking about us um, once we get to spring training? Who knows? Um, but, you know, we will see how it goes. I know that we have a good group in place. We've got We've got the talent. We've got the people in place to develop the talent. And so I think that hopefully we turn some heads. Daniel Moscow is here on Sports Talk Chicago. Daniel, how would you characterize your playing career? Uh, you know, a, a roller coaster ride, as, uh, you know, most people's are. Um, you know, it, it didn't, I would say, I mean, I'm a very honest self-evaluator. I would say it didn't go the way that I wanted it to. Obviously, you know, I, I did break into the big leagues. I had some success there. And then, unfortunately, I got hurt at the wrong time. Um, but you know, there's some things that like, if I was to have, you know, maybe been drafted in 2013, 2014, instead of 2007, maybe my career could have looked a little bit differently. Um, you know, when I went to driveline, I needed a breaking ball, uh, and with some pitch design and, and some advice from some really intelligent people, I left there with two breaking balls and a cutter. And so, (laughs) you know, there were just things that like, we weren't looking into spin rate. We weren't looking into, you know, pitch grips. We didn't have edgertronic cameras um, or portable track man uh, back when I was playing. And so there's all these resources that players now have at their disposal that I think would have significantly boosted what my career could have been. Um, but if you want my honest truth, everything happened the way that it was supposed to, everything happened for a reason to get me to where I am now. Um, most, most people don't know this, but my, my last team in, professional baseball that I signed with was the Chicago Cubs and then I failed my physical and um you know that's that's a tough you know kind of red flag to to shake and you know effectively was a death sentence for my career however that led me to go to Mexico it led me to meet uh, a guy who had trained at driveline it led me to look into driveline to go to driveline to then get into coaching to get the job with the Yankees to then get the job with the Cubs and, you know, so every, all those dominoes could only fall if the first one fell. And unfortunately, and slash fortunately, that was me failing my physical with the Cubs. And so I, you know, it's, it's tough not to be romantic about baseball and like, you know, the way that this has come full circle, you know, the Cubs effectively ended my playing career and yet they're beginning my, my major league coaching career. So like, you know, it's tough not to just sit back and admire that, you know, how it's come full circle. I read an article saying that you didn't know why you failed your physical. Is that true? Um, so, I mean, it was, it's kind of a c- combination of things. It's I've had two elbow surgeries, um, which I mean, one kind of led to the other one was a cleanup. Then it finally blew out and I had Tommy John. Um, and then I have bad hips and, you know, I had a 10 year playing career, um, you know, worth of innings on my shoulder. And so it was, you know, kind of a, well, we don't, love the hips we don't love the shoulder two elbow surgeries is this guy a ticking time bomb maybe 
but I did go on to play 18 months straight after that and make 160 appearances without missing a day. So, you know, it ends up working out in hindsight. It's like, well, dang, I wish that that had gone differently. But like I said, it's everything happens for a reason. I have zero ill will. Um, and, you know, I, I really truly believe that I'm in the place that I'm supposed to be now. And, you know, impacting more people's career than my own, I can live with that. What I found funny too is your only time in the majors, you had a 2.96 ERA. You were effective. Why do you think you didn't get as many more opportunities? Well, it, unfortunately, the following spring training is when I first had my my first like elbow injury. Um, you know, I was pitching in a live batting practice uh, and felt like a little bit of a jolt. And I was like, ah, I didn't feel very good. Next day, I was a little bit sore, got some treatment um, and was relatively fine. It was basically essentially some arthritis, had some bone spurring and stuff like that. But the ligament was OK. Um, and then, you know, it just got a little bit worse, got a little bit worse, was harder to recover. Um, so the end of that year, I went in and had a cleanup. Um, and then, you know, I just, the cleanup was okay. It was put a bandaid on it, but it, you know, I wasn't still wasn't back to myself until I had Tommy John. And when, once I came back from Tommy John, I was great. Um, you know, I signed, I had Tommy John in 20 middle of 2014, um, came back in 2015, pitched at the end of the year that year, um, went down to winter ball parlayed that into a job with the Padres and had a great year with the Padres uh, spent the whole year in AAA that next year in 2016 pitched really well. And that's what got me the job with the Cubs and then unfortunately failed the physical. So, you know, I mean, I would say that I wish that I hadn't gotten hurt when I did, but again, like everything happens for a reason. It all works out the way that it's supposed to. What to come with Daniel Moscow in just a moment. Stay tuned. This is Sports Talk Chicago. Daniel Moscow still here on Sports Talk Chicago. Daniel, a few more questions before we finish up. First off, the toughest hitter you faced was who? <laughs> um, who? Uh, you know, there, there's a bunch of them. So if I forget somebody, hopefully they don't take offense <laughs> to it. Um, you know, I will say one of the like, one of the toughest has to be Adrian Gonzalez. Um, you know, I faced him when he was in his prime with the Red Sox. Um, I mean, granted his prime was a pretty long window, but, um, you know, he was in the middle of his prime with the Red Sox. Uh, and I came in to face him in like a one run game. Uh, and I think it was either runners at second and third or bases loaded. Uh, and I was filling in for the starter and, um, you know, I was able to induce a ground out to end the inning, not give up a run. Um, so, you know, that was a really cool experience. It was at home. Uh, you know, we had like 38,000 people. It was loud. It was, you know, a really cool moment. Um, and you know, he's just an impressive hitter. Also got to face David Ortiz that series, another, you know, well-known hitter in his own right. And um, he put a ball into the river at PNC Park off of me. Thank goodness it was, <laughs> thank goodness it was foul, but um, not a lot of people hit the ball that far. So, uh, you know, it was one of those ones where I was actually like watching the ball travel and the umpire was trying to throw me the next ball. <laughs> but uh, it was it was really, really impressive. Um, and, I, and again, there's there's a ton of good hitters that I faced um you know Vlad Guerrero I'm really fortunate to uh have faced Vlad Guerrero and that at bat was really fun for me because the scouting report on Vlad Guerrero was like if you're gonna miss somewhere miss middle he doesn't really hit the ball middle it's everything else that he hits <laughs> and um you know it lo and behold I face him I throw him a first pitch change up and it is literally like dotted on the black down and away um and I get bald and it's 1-0 
And I'm like, wow, can't throw him a much better pitch than that. He just spit on it like it was, you know, a piece of cake. And I'm like, what do I do now? And so I throw him another changeup that literally would have bounced on home plate. Like, I mean, it, it was a dirt ball. And he lined out to the third baseman and probably hit it 110 miles per hour. And I'm like, well, if that isn't just a Vlad Guerrero at bat to a T, then I don't know what is. So it, one of those cool moments that you look back on, you're like, wow, that was like exactly how it was supposed to go. What's it like when you watch somebody nearly hit a home run off you? How do you recover? Like when you talked about the David Ortiz moment. Well, so I'll tell you, <laughs> you can use your own assessment of the situation. I'll give you this, this scenario. It was 3-1 count. I threw him a fastball that was supposed to be in that I left middle and he hit it into the river foul. 3-2, I threw a breaking ball in the dirt and walked. <laughs> so, so how do you adjust? You don't throw another fastball and you end up walking him. Uh, not exactly how I would want my, you know, my pitchers now to go about that because the one pitch he's probably not looking for there is another fastball. Uh, probably should have doubled up in uh, with a fastball there, but you know what? Hindsight's 20-20 on that one. How about your favorite hitter? Somebody so easy to retire. Who would that be? Might be an insult uh, to somebody listening, but. Um, the pitcher spot in the National League. <laughs> <laughs> um, and this is going to be fun because the two pitchers that I actually faced um, in my time in the major leagues was one Roy Halladay and two Chris Carpenter. Uh, so, you know, really, really special guys to get to face. And, you know, no surprise that they were still pitching uh, when I came into the game as a reliever, uh, because, you know, that's what they're well known for is pitching deep into ball games. Um, but I'm pretty sure I did strike both of them out. So, you know, I'll pat, pat myself on the back for that one. But the pitcher spot's definitely the easiest hitter to face. Did you ever get in that bat when you played either in the minors or in the majors? No. Um, well, so I bat, I, I hit in the minors. Um, you know, I was a starter in double A. And so that was, that's when you started uh, the hitting if you're facing a National League team. Um, not a very good hitter, uh, depth perception, not great struggle to see spin and, um, you know, anything over about 88 these days is probably going to, uh, blow me away. Um, but I was really good at getting my sack bunts down at least, you know what? I can at least, um, you know, hold myself accountable there. And Daniel, before we finish up today, last question, what's been the funniest moment that you've been a part of in your career? Oh, um, does it have to be in the major leagues, minor leagues? You have a anywhere you'd like. Um, well, I do know that there was uh, a spring training game against the Blue Jays, um, and I, I threw a fastball, and the guy hit what I thought was a line drive back at me, and, like, I panicked, flinch, I'm flailing my arms at the ball, and it was like, it. he hit the changeup back at me, and it was like, right after I got done flinching, the ball, like, hit me in the chest, I, like, fell back down on my butt, like, and, you know, thank goodness it's just a spring training game, but, like, I scramble pick up the ball um and and throw him out at first but i was just like wow that that had to have looked really really embarrassing <laughs> and we went back and looked at it uh, at the tape after and i was just like wow and this is why they say pitchers are not athletes because that was not an athletic moment <laughs> it was really really bad um another one that was really funny is a comebacker that was hit back at me that was hit as hard as i expected to actually knocked my glove off of my hand and so then I'm running after the ball like with both hands, never have never had this, you know, situation on the mound before where I've got no glove on. And like I'm running over, like I pick the ball up and I'm like, I don't know how to like pat without a glove on it. I just like shuffle and like throw a ball over there. I'm like, wow, that was that was equally as embarrassing. That was terrible. Um, thankfully that one was in the minor league, so not too many people saw it. But um, you know, just those funny little things that that happen where it's just like outside of expectation, I think are hilarious. 
Well, Daniel, thank you so much for joining me. Really appreciate the time. Best wishes this year with the Cubs, and I'm sure we'll be uh, checking in again soon during the season. Really appreciate the time. Of course. No, thank you for having me. It was a blast. Great talk there with Daniel Moscos, and that'll do it for us today here on Sports Talk Chicago. Big thank you to Daniel Moscos himself, Matt Tubiel, WCKG, Jim DeTalma, Tomorrow Entertainment for making this show a success. Remember, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at John Z Sports and on Facebook at John Zaglul to be able to watch more of this show. Search up Sports Talk Chicago, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, and sportstalkchicago.com. Another great show comes to you tomorrow. Thank you so much for listening. Until then, stay safe. And so long, everyone. No! No! You are the turtle!